You're listening to This Is Us Podcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach Podcast, author of Widowed. This is Us Season 1, Episode 5, The Game Plan, is directed by George Tillman, and it's the first episode with this director, and written by Joe Lawson, which this is the first episode without Dan Fogelman. I'm joined today by co-host Rachel Nacmius, who is an image consultant and owner at Best Dressed and author of the upcoming book, The Face of Business. Welcome, Rachel. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to uh, chat about This Is Us. I know. I know. It's such. I love this. I love this show. And now, the director on this show, as I had mentioned, it's the first episode with this director, but he is no lightweight. He directed the films Soul, Soul Food, Men of Honor. He was also producer of Soul, Soul Food, the series on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, he did films like Barbershop, Barbershop 2, Back in Business, he was nominated for the Black Film Award for Best Director for Soul Food and also nominated for the Black Reel Award for Best Director and Best Screenplay for Notorious. So this guy's got some heavy background. That's really interesting. It provides some um, interesting context for this episode. It does. It does. Now, the writer, Joe Lawson, it's the first time I've seen his name come up. It's almost always been, who's been the writer on these other ones? Dan Fogelman, I think. He, actually, the first credit I saw for him were the caveman commercials for Geico. So we'll forgive that. Right. <laughs> but he's also a writer producer for Modern Family. Which, uh, I see. Yeah. So, yeah. Pretty yeah. successful guy. Yeah, fairly successful writer. Uh, the original air date for this was October 25th. And we're catching up here. There's one more episode of Catch Up. And this week, we've got another episode, another new episode uh, on Tuesday night. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Yep. The last episode that I had discussed, I thought Kevin had flown back out to California to be with family, but later realized that Randall and his family and their mom are living in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. which is not too far of a drive from New York City. It's just a few hours, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, um, as it happens, it, I live in Pennsylvania. <laughs> do you live in Pennsylvania? Yep. I thought you were in New York City. Nope, I, I live in New Jersey. Uh, sorry, I live in Philadelphia. I'm from southern New Jersey originally. Okay, okay. Anyway, we open this episode with a way throwback. At first, I thought it was like the 1980s or 1970s again. But no, we're actually in like maybe the late 50s, early 60s. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, it's Rebecca as a little girl Mm -hmm. with her dad watching football. Yeah. Yeah. And then it cuts to her watching the Steelers in a pub with Jack, which now we're in the 1970s again. Mm-hmm. And she's got a glazed look on her eyes, and she says she refuses to be her mother watching her husband watching football. Yeah. And says, teach me. Yeah, I I thought that was interesting. Um, well, you know, I, you know, I have some mixed feelings about certain aspects of this show. It really ropes me in with certain things about it. And then on the other hand, there's certain things where I'm like, eh. And I mean, I guess looking at it as everything that happens between Rebecca and Jack has a historical context to it. It does, yeah. Um, It does kind of make sense. Um, But, you know, I doubt we'd have a scene where he said, teach me knitting when she was ignoring him while she was knitting. (laughs) I'll just say that. Although the Jack character, I might find that believable. I really love Jack. (laughs) He he is sort of like, and I I think because of some of the things they've hinted at already that we're going to see some character flaws with Jack. But Jack is kind of like the perfect, you know, 
sort of husband slash father in most of the context that they've right, shown us so right. far. Especially in the 1970s. Yeah. And I think it's really cute that after she says, teach me, she becomes a Steelers fanatic. Right. Like, fanatic. And it's cute. Yeah. Um, he says something about the quarterback and she says, easy on Bradshaw, babe. Uh-uh, not in this house. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. says, that's my girl. Right. Right. But the question of the hour seems to be, why do people have kids? Yes. And we're going to see this thread throughout the show. I love the way they just kind of carry this stuff right throughout all the different scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wondered if we all start out thinking that way. I don't know if you've hit that place or not. Oh, yeah, this this episode is definitely definitely hit home for me. These are conversations that I may or may not be having with my significant other. So, okay, yeah, okay, Yeah, it's like I enjoyed my wild early years. But after falling in love and marrying, we did turn our thoughts to having a child. And when we might do that and like surprising to me, my spouse came up with this whole game plan. This is what this is called. He came up with this whole game plan about how we could achieve all the things we wanted to in the first five years we were together. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. including having a child. And I was kind of blown away. We hadn't been married very long when he came up with all this. I was like, wait, whoa, what? We're like buying a house. We're re-educating you for a different career. We're having a child, you know, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really something else. Um, we're kind of what my um, my fiance and I have experienced is um, that I think we had a long time where in the circumstance just did not lend itself to us um, having kids. It just was not going to happen at that time. And we're getting to the place where there's really no concrete reason why we shouldn't like if like if we had a kid it would be totally fine um but it's I'm I'm still personally at the point where you know maybe Rebecca's at in this episode and I think there's some interesting um stuff that we've learned about her about like her maybe having wanted to have this singing career um Mm -hmm. So um, I I can definitely relate to where she's at um, with just feeling like, you know, there's so many other things I want to do before that. Yeah, right, right. Then we go to Randall and Beth in their kitchen. And Kevin is still there. And he's there in the kitchen with William and the girls. And Kevin says William should be doing voiceover work, which is like, (laughs) hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then Kevin mentions he doesn't like blueberries. And the girls agree. And Randall kind of acidically asks, are there any other dietary requirements I should let the staff know about? And the sarcasm is totally missed by Kevin Mm -hmm. because he's focused on his writing and automatically responds that he'll make a list later. (laughs) Okay. And it's like... I don't think it's that, you know, they've shown him to be such an actor diva. Totally. But I think he's also so used to Kate asking legit questions like that for his needs as a TV actor. Because she was working as his personal assistant, and that's what they do. It's like, you know what, you're going to want bottled water in your dressing room, and if we don't request it, they're not going to respect you or blue M&Ms or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Poor, poor Kevin. They're, they're, they're really making us, you know, question his character. I'm telling you (laughs) a lot, a lot, the self-centeredness, but we also see him start to come out of that, which is a nice thing. Yeah, definitely towards the end of this episode and even going into the next episode, I think they're trying they're trying to show development um, and change in his character. So yeah. I'll be interested to see where they go with that. It'll be interesting. Um, it's clear that Randall and Beth are hiding William's illness from the girls. Yes. When he gets a pill, they ask if Grandpa is sick. Does he have a cold? Mm-hmm. And you see Kevin, after everybody else is out of the room, kind of confronts them in private on hiding this from the girls. 
right? Yeah, I mean, and maybe he's not wrong, although I did think it was a little brazen, which which they definitely point out. It was, but it was amazing that Kevin was thinking about someone else. That's true. (laughs) That is true. I'll give him credit for that. Um, I think they respond. They responded to him by asking him when he was going to leave. Right. Which I thought was kind of cold on their part. But in their defense, it's clear that he and Randall have not had a really loving relationship. Yes. Um, I think think also there's something with Kevin where they've tried to show that he has a soft spot for Randall's little girls. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Like even how they were so excited to Skype with him. And um, so so maybe that's where that sort of... um, you know, little tinge of compassion comes out of him. But to right. be fair, I can totally see why Randall and Beth are like, excuse you, when are you leaving? I know, I know. And you know what? Something I didn't think about until you brought up the girls just now really kind of doting on their Uncle Kevin. And maybe that kind of stirs the animosity a little bit. Because yeah. for Randall here, Uncle Kevin comes in and he's to the girls amazing and a movie star and all their friends see him on TV and their dad is this statistical weather analysis guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. plus, um, Kevin was so mean to Randall as a kid, as we've already seen many times. Right. And now right. with his little girls are children, Kevin just, you know, just treats them like little princesses. Right. Right. He eats them up. Mm-hmm. When they ask him if he's going to leave, he's like, you know, sure, absolutely. But, you know, I was in this beautiful hotel room in New York City and he tells him how gorgeous the whole thing is. But it was so quiet. And he really felt the need to be out of there and with family. And Randall says, we'll take it. Right. <laughs> right. We'll take it. Right. And she says, what about the girls? And Randall says, we've got two adult members of the family here in the house. One who plays a nanny on TV. <laughs> right. 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 And we got the girls with. Um, they say they're not used to leaving their kids. Kevin jokes with them as they're leaving, like, now, you know, this one is the one that likes the red wine and the other one likes white. Do I have that right? Right. You know. (laughs) I think they definitely do a good job in that scene of showing how charming and charismatic he can be when he wants to be. Right. And after they're gone, we see him in the kitchen trying to practice his lines. And the girls want to do a Barbie fashion show with him being the celebrity judge. Right. This is so cute. Yeah. And he says, maybe, maybe your grandfather can do this. And they said, oh, he's not a celebrity. Right. So right. Kevin pulls in the girls and William to help him learn his lines. And he actually asks William, this made me uncomfortable, but I could see why. But it made me uncomfortable because he actually asked William if he can read. Yeah, I I I just didn't know um I just didn't feel like there was enough context for that so it I felt know. like it was way out of left field. Way out of left field. Maybe they were trying to show some level of class prejudice on Kevin's part. I don't think it's racial pre- prejudice, but the fact that William had he knew that he had been a junkie and left his kid at the steps of the fire station. You know, that kind of knowing that kind of background, thinking maybe it's possible he's illiterate. I think we Um, haven't. I think the problem with that scene, maybe for me, was that we hadn't seen enough of like Kevin really becoming acquainted with William's background. Well, I think that's what it is. He doesn't know William's background. He doesn't know William at all yet. Yeah, really. I mean, clearly he doesn't know William was a poet. Right. Um, so um, it, it's just it's just interesting. Right. Because he couldn't know that he's a poet if he's asking him whether he can read. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely was like, wait, what? And that scene kind of clipped really quickly there and we were on to something else. And exactly. I was like, no, no, no. Hold on. Go back. <laughs> they did. They just moved right away to something else. Mm-hmm. And I was like. Does this even make sense? Would Kevin really ask that? Yeah. They, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what sure. they're trying to portray for Kevin or portray for William. It made me uncomfortable. I mean, of course, William was very elegant, um, but I, I have some thoughts about his character in general, which I, I will 
I'll, I'll, we'll get to when we get we'll to We'll reserve that. Yeah. Okay. It does cut away to Randall and Beth at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And Randall is into it. Right. He, says, he says no sleeping. He doesn't want to miss the whole night by sleeping. Right. I think right. it's sort of cute to have that scene where he's kind of acting like a teenage boy. Um, right. Because we see Randall so often as this, like, just really controlled and elegant and mature man. Um, mm-hmm. And just to see him break from that and be silly for a little bit is sort of yeah. charming. And we also, it brings us full circle back around to the kids thing. Because they've been married with, the, you know, they've had the girls for a while now. So they haven't had the chance to really cut loose. And you're seeing them now. Randall's like, this is the first time in years that we could like eat hamburgers in bed. Right. And have sex and watch lewd movies. And, you know, actually it wasn't a lewd movie he was looking for. It was a pretty no. cute movie. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you get it. It's like we're away from the girls. We don't have to be adults. Yeah, exactly. Right. And we, get to, we get to cut loose. Yeah. In addition to, um, it's so interesting that you're, that you are very rightly interpreted this episode as having that thematic element around how, why people have kids. Um, and what I saw in the episode was this theme around um, couples communication that kind of drew in the plot line around Kate and Toby, which we haven't talked about yet. Right. Um, and how e- in each of these scenarios, at least one of or both of the people in the couple had things they were thinking about, about what they wanted for the future or why they acted a certain way that they almost were expecting the other person to read their mind. Um, And, of course, nobody can read anybody's mind. Right, right. So, and we hit that because while he's bouncing off the walls in this beautiful hotel, you see Beth is just kind of quietly walking around, staring at things, and then she says, I'm late. Right. I'm late and I feel like crap. And yesterday when we had pizza, I wanted to throw up. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she cannot bring herself to go get a pregnancy test. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so that really takes the wind out of Randall's sails. Oh, it's kind of a damper. It's kind of, <laughs> for sure, it's kind of a damper. Uh, but we only get that brief look at that. And that's when we do go to Kate and Toby. And mm-hmm. she brings him breakfast in bed. Now, this, this scene makes me crazy. You'll have to bear with me. Oh, tell because me. Because she brings him the cheese squares and hemp seeds. Yeah. Like, horrible diet food mm-hmm. and he calls it nonsense made up food which it is i agree and i hate this because the show is demonstrating weight loss efforts this way and i hope they come around to the right thing for the sake of the viewing audience yeah okay and, and no one else even though there's lots of thin and healthy people on the show no one else eats like that right Right. People, people, listeners, do not eat cheese squares and hemp seeds to drop weight. Yeah. Please don't do that unless you really love hemp seeds. Totally. <laughs> then they both agree they're not going to eat that day at all because they have weigh-in at their oh, meeting. Yeah. Oh, it's like, I mean, know, to be fair, I have been there. We have all been there. But this is the stuff that's not sustainable for life. Totally. <laughs> you know, it's not sustainable. It just, I go crazy. And I'm praying the show is building it up this way so that they can show how wrongheaded it is. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Please. So, um, and he says he wants to go do mini golf after their meeting. But Kate says she can't because the Steelers game is on. And she insists that she watches football alone, always. And we learn later in the episode why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they're in their meeting, you see Toby passing a note to Kate. Now, my first thing that came up in my mind is, why are they not sitting together? Yeah, I know. that. <laughs> I, it was a little bit of like a setup for them to have this, this cutesy, tootsy note pass that Toby yeah. does. And, a little contrived. Yeah, but although I kind I like a lot about this plot point to be fair because I think first of all we've mostly only seen Toby be like the most perfect human on earth. Um 
And <laughs> like, like everything he's done has been like the right thing to do in that situation so far. And now we're kind of getting him being a little clingy and a little pushy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe kind of like a little bit of like an extrovert introvert couples struggle between him and Kate. Um, and I think it's, awesome because it's a plot point between the two of them that has nothing to do with either of their weights. Right. And I actually made a note that says he just cannot leave it alone. Mm -hmm. He has to watch the game with her. Yes. Right. And yeah, that's what the note is. It's an invitation to his football party and it's his handmade adorable invite. Right. Right. Um, which yeah, is which so is... great. And Kate, of course, caves because that's what Kate does. Yes. Yes. <laughs> she caves. So she shows up and discovers there's also a friend of Toby's there at the party. Toby says, great news. You both love sports. Mm-hmm. And Kate's looking really leery about this whole setup. I love, I love that in this storyline, they, they managed to reverse it. And show that Toby actually seems to have no knowledge of or interest in sports, um, which I think is just such a cool one of the cool things about this episode is that we get, you know, like Kate and Rebecca, who are women who are genuinely in genuinely into football. And then and then we have Toby, like who clearly just doesn't know or care. True, true. He has no clue about like, don't talk over the game. Mm -hmm. Don't don't pause the game while it's live. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then we cut back to the bar and we see Rebecca singing in the bar like country western. And we see where Kate gets her pipes. She Mm -hmm. clearly inherited her singing, her love of singing from her mom. And Mandy Moore is an awesome voice. Right. By the way. I, I can't imagine how they were going to have this show with Mandy Moore and not have her sing at some point. Not have her sing. Right. It's Super Bowl Sunday with the Steelers in the game. Right. Yeah. And their their friends finally show up and they talk about being late because of the baby vomiting. And, the, you know, there was this whole horrible scenario. Did she say he punched the baby? Yes. that That was funny, actually. Uh, you know, it's like you, uh, extreme. <laughs> well, 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 it was their four-year-old who punched the baby. Oh, I thought she was saying her husband punched the baby. No, no, no. The four-year-old. Okay, now I can handle it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was like this this kind of funny like situation with these exasperated parents who have right. one baby screaming and you know a toddler who like obviously doesn't know any better like just yeah. hitting their baby <laughs> right right the baby wasn't just screaming the baby was throwing up yeah and so the toddler punched him and i'm oh so glad gosh. it's the toddler because i really thought she was saying her husband punched the baby and no. i was like what <laughs> what um yeah, that would be quite a, a character development for Miguel, oh my God. Who, who is yeah. obviously, we already know he's going to come back around later. Right, right. Because in the future, we yeah. know he's married to Rebecca. Was that Miguel? Yes. Or was that another friend? It was yes. Miguel. It was Miguel. Oh, okay, okay. We can't, So after listening to this, and Rebecca turns to Jack and says, promise me we're never having kids. And walks off. Mm-hmm. And you see this questioning look on Jack's face. Makes you realize that he may not be sharing that sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're watching the game in this bar. He is clearly distracted from the game. And then asked her what she means by promise me we'll never have kids. And that's when they get into a bit of a tiff. They disturb the rest of the bar trying to watch the game. Their friends keep excusing themselves from the table, which I think that's hilarious. Every time they get into it again, they're like, oh, we need to go off to, you know, over there. Rebecca asked if she's not enough for him, saying, we joke about it, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. I didn't get the joke. Yeah. Jack says, and this is another one of those Jack moments that you just fall in love with him. He says he never saw himself with kids, but then he met her. And he thinks there's something bigger than just her and him. But Rebecca's still ticked because she's not there yet. She doesn't want to be a mom yet. 
Yeah, I what what I I wrote down that she said she didn't want to be one of those women whose sole purpose was to be a mother. Right. Um and I I am so like in that because you do see um you know and she's talking about how like later she talks about how every one of her friends has kids and she doesn't know what's wrong with her but you mm-hmm. you see like definitely for me, I see friends my age who have had kids who their whole world now is is their kids. And um, I'm so happy that that's working for them. But that's something that's really scary for me being in the place yeah. where Rebecca's in in this episode. Right, right. And a fight even ensues in the bar because mm-hmm. their bickering is interrupting the game. Yeah. And Jack does the testosterone thing, blows up, punches this guy because he was heckling his wife. Yeah. Says, yeah, we really should be having kids. Totally. And, and she storms out on the Super Bowl that she was so excited about. I know. I know. And I really wondered about Jack blowing up and punching the guy like that. Yeah. Did you think, I mean, I think they're trying to show a side of Jack that, um, he he's a sensitive guy overall, especially in the time period, right? But then right. maybe he's a little bit of a firecracker. I think so. And you know, they're in their little after show they do on the web. Ken Olin, the producer, the executive producer of the show, was talking about that Jack is really working class. Yes. And you see, oftentimes, like he doesn't even have the words to get out what it is he's feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. When and he when even words men- are not available, use fist. Even mentions after the show that Jack's character is a, is working class, and Rebecca's character is actually from a very different class. Oh, which interesting. Which I suppose comes up more in future episodes. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. So yeah. So to him. To the executive producer, it's like it made perfect sense that somebody heckling his wife would tick him off enough that he would throw a punch, especially when he's already steamed with this back and forth with her. He's probably had a couple beers in because they're watching the Super Bowl. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've I've definitely been in that situation where, um, you know... My significant other and everybody around us is drinking and somebody, you know, says something or does something at me long time ago. I was work. I was working the door at a party that I was um, I was hosting with people at fashion school to raise money for an event we were putting on. And um, and like some some guy was like hitting on me and wouldn't leave me alone. And it didn't end in a fist fight, but it was it was razor thin. So I think, you know, when you have a guy who like really feels his emotion and and is so, you know, devoted to um, his partner, I think just sometimes, you know, you add liquor to the fire and it can explode. Right, right. So, yeah. And that's kind of where that scene ends. And we go back to Kevin in the kitchen. No, wait, where do we go with this? Ah, Randall and Beth in the drugstore looking for a pregnancy test. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And now, oh, I know you just loved this exchange because Mm -hmm. he says, like, how? You take the pill every day, right? Oh, my gosh. And she said, yeah, but, you know, I changed. I was changing my meds, and I think there was a brief window. And he is pissed. He's like, a brief window? You can't share with me that there may have been a brief window? Like, there goes my plans for wherever it was he was saying he wanted to. Charleston, yeah. Charleston, yeah. yeah. Where once the girls go off to college, he had this whole plan in his head of how they would move to Charleston. And, you know, and apparently she didn't share with him there was a brief window between her medications. He had never shared this big grand plan with her about Charleston either. Yeah, well, I I guarantee you he's also probably never asked her about her birth control medication or how that's going, which is just, we we get a little bit of Randall, um, you know, sort of, sitting up on his male privilege there. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, just, he's kind of on his high horse. She it, pulls him down, though. She, she she does. I mean, the one thing about Beth is, like, you know she's not going to take that. Right, 
Right. And, um, you know, she makes it clear to him, like, hey, look at this lady who was just about to be able to work outside of the home and yeah. go get, you know, a creative job and not be trying to change diapers at the same time that she has a home office. Kind of shows him that it's really not all about him. Mm-hmm. And again, we're addressing the issue of having a baby. Yes. And also yeah. of having things like his Charleston dreams to him. This was like a thing that they were both going to do together where he was looking up Zillow listings and yet he never managed to mention it to Beth, but kind of seemed like he expected her to know about it. Yeah. Or, you know, his Charleston dreams, like he hadn't really solidified it enough to really talk about it, but thought that they both realized that they were going to get their own individual lives back when the girls go to college. Sure. And that's what they were looking to have happen. Although the girls are still pretty far from college at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) We're talking more than a decade away, I think. Yeah, but Beth and Randall are pretty young. Like, at the beginning of the series, it's their 36th birthday, um, the, the triplets, so. Right, right. But, you know, when I was 36 and my daughter was... I can't remember what she was when I was 36, maybe like 12 years old. Even then, I was not thinking so far ahead as to, well, when we get this one off to college, this is how it could be. I was just kind of in the middle of raising her still. Right. You know, I don't think I looked towards that until it became much closer to her graduating high school and the realization that, oh, she's not always going to be here in the house with us yeah well maybe randall was thinking about post-college and beth was just thinking in a couple of years when they're both in school all day (laughs) right 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 and i guess it's it suits randall's character that he would think that far ahead Mm -hmm. definitely yeah i think so um now we get back to kate watching the steelers at toby's and he and his friend are, his friend stands up, is standing right in front of the TV talking about the television set while she's trying to watch. And that's when Toby pauses it in the middle of a play and says, tell Kate about the time when we, and she's like, it blows her mind that mm-hmm. he would pause the TV. Yeah. Totally blows her mind. I loved the look on her face as all that was happening. It, w- it was priceless. Mm-hmm. And she misses the touchdown. Yeah, she misses the yeah. touchdown, which is yeah. like, you know, you can just think as a Steelers fan, she she must be internally like having her mind explode. Oh, absolutely. I would have been. I would have been having my mind explode at yeah. that point. So she says she's not feeling good and actually wants to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do one of these wonderful edit transitions that they do because we close this scene out with Toby saying, what is, what's happening? What is happening? And we cut to William cueing a line for Kevin saying, what is happening? Mm-hmm. And we get the repeat. Oh and yeah. The girls, I, I missed that one actually. Yeah, and the girls kind of slam Kevin's acting and the <laughs> littlest one asks, what is happening in the story? And we get right. the third, what is happening? Very quickly from one scene, what is happening to the next, what is happening? And she says, what is happening in the story? Kevin tries to explain the character died and mm-hmm. became a ghost, but he gets sucked into trying to explain death. Yeah, well, they're asking about about grandpa. Yeah, well, grandpa's sick. Is he going to die? And Kevin says, yes, everyone's going to die. I'm going to die. Your mom and dad are going to die. You're going to die. And the little one says, I'm going to die. And he suddenly you see the horror on his face when he realizes that they can't really grasp what he's saying. And he has really stepped in it. He knows he's blowing it and shuttles them off to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows it went sideways. He's worried about damage control. Uh, about like what Randall's going to say and how angry he's going to be when he finds yeah. out about that little how interchange. Or even how to fix it with the girls. Yeah. And William tells him he doubts himself a lot. Hmm. That he was really good on the Manny. Kevin says, you watched the Manny? Yeah. Um, and. I, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it. 
it's funny. I don't know if you're a TV tropes person. Um, I think it is a TV tropes.com or org. It's this big website where they, they list tropes, which are um, kind of these like archetypical story elements that can be a character or, or a plot development or lots of different things that can happen across lots of stories. So there is something about, especially when they got to this scene, which was led into by Kevin earlier saying, you're like the owl in a Pixar movie. Right. Um, where they started, they're really, I mean, they've already shown it in previous episodes too, but they really started to get William into this. And I, I'm not going to say the actual name of the trope. We'll, we'll call it magical person of color trope. Right. Um where, you know, a, a person of color who is so, you know, wise and so selfless sort of comes along to guide the main character, who is usually not a person of color, um, you know, through these like, you know, the, the troubling elements of whatever plot point they're wrapped into. Um, and it's kind of... It's kind of not a trope that's looked upon super kindly. So I wonder about where they're going with that. The one place where maybe they're subverting the trope um, a little bit is to show um, William in in that role, but with Randall, um, where now we're having like a person of color to person of color um, right, kind of right. I was just going to say, William seems to be the wise old owl in a Pixar film with everybody. Yep. And I, I'll tell you what I think about that. I think it's because William has already been told he's going to die soon. Mm-hmm. This gives you a unique perspective on life, unlike most other people. Yeah. He's already looked his own mortality full in the face and looked back on his own life with some regrets. And it, it does make him the wise old owl in a Pixar film. Yeah. I mean, he definitely, I, I would like if they would show, aside from William's past, I would like to also see you know, some character flaws, I would say there's some there's some real Mary Sue's in this story. I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that term. It's kind of a character who has no flaws or like a silly flaw that no one would care about, like being clumsy. Yeah. Um, and like I would say, like Toby and William and Jack are all probably up for nomination for Mary Sue of this story. Oh, uh, but I don't think that William is because we already know that William was a junkie. Yes. Like he doesn't even remember leaving his son at the fire station. Right. But don't you think he would like, I don't know. He seems so perfect now that it's almost hard to connect him with that past for me. Right. Right. But to me, again, that's having faced his own mortality and now looking at his entire life in hindsight. Yeah, maybe I'll so. tell you why I connect so much with that, Rachel, mm -hmm. when um, and for listeners, you probably have gathered that I'm a widow because my book is called Widowed and I coach widows. And there's this thing that happens when your spouse dies. Jim died quite suddenly here at home and it really changes how you look at the world and how you look at life. I call it widow eyes. Suddenly you have widow eyes and you're looking, it makes you almost face your own mortality because you're looking back over your own life and the relationship with your spouse that just died. And it gives you a view of the world that most people don't get to have until they are in a place where they're going to face mortality. I think few get that kind of that rarefied look at life. Yeah. 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 And that's really so when I see William, I see somebody who has been given that rarefied glimpse into life and the meaning of every moment. And um, yeah. And this is what makes him be who he is now at this point point in life it could be like just a few months before he was nowhere near this yeah maybe he was still a junkie you know what I'm hoping for in light of this conversation is that maybe we'll see William in the past at some point between um now and you know dropping Randall off at the fire station in right. some of these cutbacks that we have yeah 
Yeah, it would be good. It would be good to kind of see a little more of what went on in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So Kevin kind of starts kind of waxing, waning here and saying, you know, I never should have left that show, referring to the Manny and saying, you know, I never should have come here either, talking about referring to the new play in New York City. Um, he tells William, the people I'm working with on the play are like next level smart. Mm-hmm. Next level smart. And William, you know, he says, there you go again, doubting yourself again. And he really, William brings him back down to earth. Yeah, and we're seeing a little chink in the armor with Kevin, where he seemed so ego-driven. But now we're starting to find out, oh, well, Kevin doesn't think he's smart. And and we know Mm -hmm. that that can connect back to the storyline where he grew up with Randall, who's like pretty much a super genius. Randall was the smart one. Mm -hmm. Kevin was not the smart one. Yeah. Yeah. And kids come away with that. You get that assignment as a kid when you have siblings. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so I um, think they did a really beautiful job of connecting that through to, to Kevin's adult life. I think so. I think so. From this scene, we go back to Jack at the bar with his buddy, with Miguel, asking him, when did you realize you wanted kids? And he says about four months into her pregnancy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and tells him, yeah, life is over. You have kids. Life is over. And about that, the Steelers win. Rebecca is still sitting outside. Jack is at the bar stewing inside. He goes out to find her. And then we cut to Randall and Beth sitting on the bathroom floor together waiting on the test. Yep. Okay. I love this She's freaked out. (laughs) She is freaked out. But they are slowly both kind of coming around to acceptance of life with another baby. Mm -hmm. And even might be starting to look forward to it. Yeah. I just thought it was sweet. I love Randall and Beth's relationship. I'm totally like a fangirl of that element of the show. I know. I know. And um, together they look at the test result and it cuts to Jack finding Rebecca and saying, if it's between you and having kids, you win every time. Mm -hmm. He talks about having watching football with his dad. And that he could watch football with his dad if he sat on the floor and didn't talk. Right. And said he always imagined when he had kids, he would let them talk and talk as loud as they wanted to during the game. Yeah. And that's when Rebecca says she thinks there's something wrong with her that she doesn't want kids like her friends do. Yeah. And, but and she, she says she, about, um, she does see them with kids in the future. Yes. And she but she also talks about, you know, she says, I'm still singing at Froggy's, um, which kind of implies to me that Rebecca wanted something more to do oh, with see, her I music. Missed that. I missed that. Yeah. It's, I know she said that she loves their life just as it is right now. Mm-hmm. And she's scared of changing it. I think she she thinks it's going to change them if their life changes yeah i mean and and to be fair in that previous scene um where jack was talking to miguel at the bar um miguel confirmed that like it is going to change their lives and we know because we've seen um in that peek into the future where she's having the conversation with jack about being out drinking all the time um Mm -hmm. and we we know that this bringing the kids in is going to change their lives, which is not change their life. That's exactly what Beth and Randall were talking about sitting on the bathroom floor together too. Yeah. Was how another baby at this time is going to change their life. Mm -hmm. So change is tough. Yeah. And so that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I totally see um, why, why she's saying that. And also she's right. Having kids is going to change their life. Um, yeah. And it's never going to be like it is, you know, in this scene where she wake woke him up in the morning with drinks on Super Bowl day. Yeah, yeah. But the thing, too, is it changes life, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it changes it for the worse. Totally. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, Bradshaw won Most Valuable Player, and she says, yes, my man. And Jack says, <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I miss and that. That's cute. with that kind of little sarcastic jousting, we go back to Toby with Kate. Mm-hmm. 
and ask, what was that all about? He right. said, her, her place now. And Kate says, I told you I wanted to watch by myself. And then she explains, it's not just about football. Growing up, she used to watch the Steelers with her dad every single Sunday until she moved out to L.A. and fell out of the habit. And she decided to watch when the Steelers were in the Super Bowl again. So she watched with her dad and they won. And she said she likes to watch with her dad. She's kind of superstitious like that. Like the Steelers will win if she watches with her dad. Right. Toby says he sounds like quite a guy. I'd like to meet him sometime. And Kate says, okay, I, I know this is going to be a little creepy. as she takes the urn off the fireplace. Mm-hmm. This is her dad, Jack. And now we know the answer, Jack died. Yes, exactly. This is the first time that it's sort of been implied that Jack's not around. Right. Um, because we see their mom with their new husband. But yeah. Um, but yeah, now we know for sure. It also almost gives us a little bit of a time frame because she said that she watched every single Sunday with her dad until she moved out to L.A. and fell out of habit. Right. Now, I don't know if she was watching with him in the urn before she moved to L.A. or if he died and that's when she moved to L.A. Yeah, I, I stopped think, watching football. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm suspecting at this point, based on what we know, and, and I've sort of peeked a little into episode six, which I know you have as well, um, but I'm suspecting at this point that Jack died while they were still pretty young. You think, huh? I well, think, we'll, we'll like, find out. We'll I, find out. And is, I don't know that that was even confirmed in the next episode, but we no, won't talk about that. No, it was. <laughs> it's not been confirmed at all. So it's in no way a yeah. spoiler. This is just my 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 fan theory that I've come up with is that okay. is that Jack died sometime when they were teenagers. That's my okay. Fan That's theory. your fan fiction. I got it. Uh-huh. I got it. Um, and she says football was huge for her family. As a matter of fact, she was conceived in a bathroom during the Super Bowl. Right. And we cut back to see Rebecca and Jack in the bathroom at that fateful bar after the Steelers won. And they actually started their family that day after the whole day of arguing about having kids. Yeah. Not that I think they intended to start a family then, but I think they were having the makeup of that fight. Yeah. And it was another great This Is Us goosebumps moment. Yeah. I get these. I get these. I'm going to have to start documenting all of the big goosebump moments during the episodes of this show. For me, this was a big one. Yeah, it definitely um, pulled together everything that was happening in the episode up till this point and kind of gave it significance. It does. It does. But it left me wanting to know more about what happened to Jack and yeah. exactly when it happened to oh, Jack. Oh, for sure. I think we're all starting to ask those questions. Yeah, and generate fan theories like some of us. (laughs) And generate fan theories. Then we go back to Kevin apologizing to the girls and offers to share a secret. I love this scene. I can't tell you how much I love this scene. Mm -hmm. He tells them that sometimes he paints and he shares a painting with them. It's very Jackson Pollock. Mm Mm-hmm. He painted it after he read the play for the first time. And he says he thinks that he scared them before. So he wanted to show his painting to them and tell them what he thinks the play is about, because it might make us all feel better. Mm -hmm. And he felt the play is about life. And each life lived is a color And that it's not really the size of his painting alone, but just kind of goes on for infinity. And he says, like, a hundred years ago, a guy I never met came to this country with a suitcase. Mm -hmm. And he had a son who had a son who had me. Right. So we, we, and then we get to see what seems to be Jack's grandfather, if I followed that storyline properly. Yeah. And he shows them up in one corner, like this part of the painting was his part. And this part of the painting down here is my part. And what if we're all in the painting everywhere and the colors we keep adding get added on top of each other. And soon we're not even different colors anymore. Just one thing. 
one painting. Mm-hmm. And he said, what if we're painting before we're born? What if we're painting after we die? My dad's not alive anymore, but he's with us. And it all sort of fits somehow. The beautiful painting, just because someone dies doesn't mean they're not in the painting anymore. There's not you or me or them. There's just us. In this sloppy, wild, colorful, magical thing that has no beginning and no end. Maybe it's us. And I loved this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I loved this. Well, and we got that really beautiful montage of going from Jack's grandfather getting off the boat to him with his father to the shot of Kevin and Jack in the pool and the big three as babies. And then the whole family, like in the, in the, time frame where they're like eight years old watching the game together and celebrating right. um and uh kate and toby and the urn all watching football together mm-hmm. um and and then we get randall and um and beth looking at the not pregnant so so it's kind right. of tying all the elements of this episode together and really the whole show so far it- Brings it all together. And what I love so much about this is I looked at some of the after show and Chrissy Metz, who plays Kate, she talks about she doesn't have a relationship with her biological father in Mm -hmm. real life. Mm -hmm. So she drew off her desire to have had that to put the emotion into the scene, telling Mm -hmm. Toby about watching football with her dad. Yeah. And she says that she, as Chrissy, and also as Kate, feels such an emotional attachment to Milo, who plays Jack. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's there on this little clip with her, and she's saying, you know, I've got this emotional attachment to you. And she says, I know this sounds kind of kooky, but I believe the child chooses the parent. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's that she believes when a child is ready and the stars align, that's when they come into the life. This is so close to the cloud theory that Jim and I wrote about. It's Philomena's fabulous fable, and I put it in my book, Widowed. And I'm going to go ahead and read it to you because I want to read it to our listening audience today, too. The Philomena's fabulous fable we published on the internet back in the early 1990s um, when the internet was barely there, but it was there. Um, On a cloud theory, jumping off, you're sitting on your cloud, blissfully paging through the astral inquirer, occasionally glancing up as different realities amble by. Suddenly, a tiny blue planet catches your eye. You sit up. The newspaper slips from your lap. You focus closer. You sense a situation coming together. Something is happening. Your soul is stirred. Bang, you're hooked. A poor family in India, a Kennedy fantasy, something in Tibet, a Muslim in Serbia, Hollywood, a blind child to be born, an Israeli prime minister. You're standing on the edge of your cloud. There's an experience you must try. Love at first sight. You check your astral watch. Hey, I've got an hour before lunch, you hear yourself say, as you jump, joyfully streaking towards the blue planet. Questions. Final exam. When we arrive at the blue planet, why do we seem to forget why we jumped? Number two. Will you get back before lunch? Three, when you return to your cloud reality, what will you remember? Four, what insurance policies do you need? Five, does the newspaper carry advertisements? No, just kidding. (laughs) But this was our fable. And Jim and I firmly believed that, yes, we do get back before lunch. The time here is just like minutes Mm. in astral time um, to the point that we always talked about dying as going back to lunch. Uh, And Jim often talked about the fact that he was 16 years older than I and that he would probably pass away before I did. And I would tell him, you need to save me a place at the lunch table. 
And he said, I will. I'm going to have strawberry shortcake. I'll get some ordered for you, too. Because he was diabetic, he couldn't have strawberry <laughs> shortcake. But we figured back at lunch, strawberry shortcake is on. Right. Right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I loved this. And I loved that in the little after show, they got in this whole very uh, Buddhist discussion, Buddhist view on life uh, that actually came so close to the cloud theory. Um, yeah. It's definitely something that I think you can't help but love about this show is um, that, you know, for for all its ups and downs, it's really trying to just shine a light on um, our relationships, on what our lives mean, and so many of the bigger questions that I think, um, you know, don't often get asked on TV. Right, right. Yeah. And in the little after show discussion, Milo, who plays Jack, he talks about Randall and the fact that Jack considers Randall his boy, as much as he feels Kevin is his boy and Kate is his daughter. There's just no question in Jack's mind totally. that Randall is his son. And um, Jim had a couple of adopted sons. And he was that way. And he even used to tell them as kids, hey, this was the only way you could get to me. We knew this. It had to be this way. Right. When, you know, in other words, when they jumped off their cloud, they knew they were going to jump into a situation where they would end up adopted. And that's the only way that they could get to Jim and they needed to be with Jim in this lifetime. Yes. Um, um, so I have a question for you about this last yeah. scene. Um it seemed like there was that thing, that little cutaway as part of this montage, where it looked to me like Randall was kind of like um, getting emotional, packing up William's things. Did did you notice that scene where he was kind of holding William's hat in his hands? Was that in this one or was that in the next one? It's in this one. I and must have missed it on I, the rewatch. I think what was supposed to be happening there, which if it is, is like just really, really awesome, is that I think at the same time during this scene that we're getting some, you know, vistas of the past and the present, I think we were supposed to be looking at the future there. I think so, too. I think so, too. It was the future when... Um... William has passed away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, so, but still part of the painting. Yeah, which I thought was just a really beautiful way to like really drive home what, what they were trying to convey in that scene. Oh, I think so. I think so. And just discussing it gave me goosebumps again. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't even happened yet, but we're seeing how it's kind of all, you know, sort of a, there's a flow in time where it's not, they're showing time as not being linear. Right, right. And boy, do they show that. I think every episode with mm -hmm. all of the clips back and forth that just interplay so well. I mean, when, as I recap this, there's a lot that I kind of munch together to just try to keep it cohesive. Totally. But, you know, the entire show is like cutaway, 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 cutaway. So that, and there's always this thread that seems to carry back and forth between, you know, jumping from one sibling to the other to 1970 back to the present time. Um, I really love it. I think they're doing a fabulous job with this. Yeah, it's interesting. There are still a lot of questions to be answered that I'm excited to see where they go with future episodes. Yeah, they're not giving it to us all at once. That's for sure. Totally. <laughs> that's for sure. And for the listeners, I would love to hear what you all think of This Is Us. What moments in the last episode you've watched has really hit home. Please share your comments about an episode. Send feedback to Joanne at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. And that's J-O-A-N-N, -N, no E. Joanne at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Joanne underscore Life Coach. You can find my website at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. I'm the host and producer of Weight Coach Podcast and Widowcast Podcast. These are solo podcasts I do as a certified life coach and weight loss coach. If you are widowed or know a widow, you can grab my book as a Kindle download on Amazon. The book is titled Widowed. It will be released in print in bookstores next year.
You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Joanne the Life Coach. And Rachel, share with us your website for the face of the business. Yes. So um, if you are interested and want to know more about me and my work, my website is www.bestdress.us. Perfect. Perfect. So thank you so much for joining me today, Rachel. It was really fun. It's been great breaking down the episode with you. Until next week, keep it going. Keep it real, people, because this is us. (laughs) 